0: Welcome back to another episode of Shanghai, the city that never eats. Shanghai is undisputably one of the world's culinary capitals. But do you remember that time when it went on a diet? And we're not talking about Atkins or Keto here. I'm your host, George, and in this limited podcast series, I'll be chatting with people who experienced house arrest during Shanghai's infamous lockdown and how they were getting, or more accurately, not getting food during that time. Think of this as creative protest, if you will. So take a seat, grab your favorite snacks, and listen to us hangrily complain while trying to survive a real-life version of The Hunger Games. For some, the lockdown has been an existential crisis, while for others, it has become a moment of enlightened self-discovery. One commonality, however, has been the fact that we have all been forced to cook using whatever random supplies we received from the government and whatever unexpected things we found lurking at the back of our freezers and pantries. For anyone who regularly cooks, failure in the kitchen is a frustrating but fairly common occurrence, annoying at the best of times. In a lockdown, it's downright infuriating. Of course, failing is also harder when your ingredients are severely limited. On one particular day, I woke up inspired and decided that I would make some shrimp dumplings. You know, the kind that you find at Dim Sum. I thought it would help boost our spirits. I miraculously had everything I needed on hand, which included obscure ingredients like wheat starch for the wrappers. Although I was hesitant to use up half of our frozen shrimp stock, I wasn't gonna be stingy. And they came together perfectly. I even sent pictures to my friends saying, Oh my God, look, I mastered the dim sum craft on the first try. Of course, when they came out of the steamer, they looked like something that was pulled off a battlefield, with the dumpling skin tearing apart and the shrimp filling being unpleasantly solid. It was bad enough that we already had to cut out lunch to ration our supplies, instead eating only breakfast and dinner. But now... We had to content with a crappy dinner. How could things get any worse? Oh, but they can. Hello, this is lockdown. This is the city that never eats. So, it was with great excitement when one of our roommates shared news that their company had sent us a care package that included pork loin and a whole chicken. A whole chicken, imagine. The four of us crowded at the front door when the management team dropped off the styrofoam box. I'd already thought of safe recipes to make, the failed dim sum still fresh in my mind. When I tore open the package, I noticed a slight green tinge on the chicken and felt like something was off. In case that wasn't enough, I was given additional confirmation when I opened the vacuum sealed bag and was greeted with an overpowering stench of death and decay. Even our two hungry cats who had come to the kitchen to inspect the packages took off running after one whiff of the rotting meat. We were devastated, but I refused to take no for an answer. Despite how nauseous I felt, desperate times called for desperate measures. I started to remember my high school history classes and the lucrative European spice trade. Wasn't the whole purpose of buying overpriced spices to mask the stench of rotting meat? Well, I had plenty of that, so I tossed in some bay leaf, anise, peppercorns, and then some vodka and vinegar in hopes of killing any bacteria and maybe softening the smell. Instead, I managed to spread the smell through every inch of the apartment. We sat around the hunks of boiled meat and we started debating whether we would get sick. And if we did get sick, Just how sick would we get? Eh, it was impossible that anything survived being boiled for several hours. Just eat it, I said. I took the first bite and my mouth immediately began to water. And no, not because it was delicious, but because I felt my gag reflex coming up. The others touched the tip of their tongue on it and quickly put it down. It was a unanimous no. Fine then we would be dining very, very lightly that night. Of course, we soon tried to put the whole experience behind us, even if the house still had a faint, sickly, sweet smell lingering about. The only thing more soul-crushing than having to cut down on food like that, having to cut down on your pet's food. I had no choice but to put a limit on how much the cats were eating as their supplies were quickly running out. The poor things would wake me up every morning like clockwork, meowing miserably. I hated every moment of it, especially since it was difficult to find quality cat food. News was going around of tainted supplies that were on the market, which poisoned a dozen or so cats in Shanghai. So I just really wasn't willing to risk it unless absolutely necessary. Still, I needed to do something So I scoured the fridge and it was with equal parts horror and relief when I found a pack of baby chicks, chicken embryos that a friend had given me one time when he was advocating the benefits of a raw diet. Well, I guess it would have to do because I put them in a blender, threw in a couple of raw eggs and a can of tuna for an extra gourmet touch and voila, dinner was served. Of course, my cats were none too impressed at my culinary magic, with the older one turning away his nose disapprovingly. I felt genuinely bad for them considering they were not only on reduced portions, but they also had to suffer a massive dietary change out of the blue. I then started to consider what this meant for us. Given that there were four of us living in the apartment, I often stayed up at night secretly wondering what would happen if the situation ever turned extremely dire. Say, for example, the government walling off the city and supplies becoming non-existent for several or more months. Would one of us eat the other? Who would go first? How would I protect the cats if the vote turned on them? Worse still, would the cats eat us? Now, these thoughts seem borderline insane, but I'm sure I'm not the only pet owner in Shanghai who thought about them. After all, seeing how hard it was to get human food, would it really be a stretch to say that animals were even half as secure? With that said, I want to bring on today's guest, who is much more knowledgeable about how to care for animals and has been living in Shanghai for over a decade. Summer? Hi Ian, I just wanted to start off by saying thank you so much for coming to talk with us this evening. For a lot of our listeners, they don't exactly know about you, so could you just start by briefly telling us a little bit about yourself?
1: Thanks for having me. Uh, My name is Ian, I'm originally from Malaysia, and I came to Shanghai like 12 years ago. And uh, I have a company here now, so I do like flowers and product styling and stuff like that.
0: So you said that you came to Shanghai about 12 years ago, is that right? Yes. Wow, that's a long time. So what did you originally move to Shanghai for?
1: I came here to, uh, for university.
0: Okay, what were you, what were you studying?
1: uh I study in fashion design.
0: So you you finished your university here and then you ended up staying and and working and starting your own company.
1: Yeah, I after I graduated, I stay here and work in fashion for a couple of years. But now uh I mainly focus on flowers and product styling.
0: Okay. I mean, from the sense that I get, 12 years is, is quite a long time um, in terms of people who have been living in Shanghai, especially those who are not born in Shanghai. So I, I think you could definitely be considered very local, given that you've you've seen the the evolution of the city for over over what twelve years now. So can you tell us a little bit about um, your current situation? So how are you experiencing the the lockdown so far? What um, what's your impression of the lockdown? Because you've been here since the previous lockdown in in two thousand twenty when it began. So tell us a little bit about what your situation is now during the lockdown versus what it was back in 2020?
1: Well, it was a lot more frustrating this time because it's been almost a month. And then the rule are a lot more strict this time because uh, we couldn't go out and we couldn't order takeout and we don't have delivery coming in. For quite a while, and then we have to do the test every day. It's just very frustrating, you know, compared to the previous one.
0: Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. how, how do you generally get your food now?
1: Uh, now we generally get the food from the uh, the planco, so the bulk buying from our uh, the building, but. Our problem is because we are a one building compound. So we actually, we don't have that much people living in this address. So for us, it's like we are always struggling to find the bulk buying that we are qualified enough. You know, because for us, it's like to get 50 orders is very hard.
0: How many floors are in your building?
1: Like 20?
0: Yeah. Oh, okay, so not that many.
1: Yeah, it's not that many and a lot of the rooms are empty. I think some people they left before the lockdown. so maybe they go to their parents' house or something. And then we also have a lot of elderly people living here and they they are, they are not keen on participating in the, uh, the book buying because you know they believe that it's risky. And contagious to buy. We didn't receive anything until like the second week. And the second time, the veggies are all right, raw. Right? I have to throw away like most of them because they are all like very bad, in very bad shape.
0: What is the nastiest thing that you've eaten so far? Is there anything that you think you would never do in normal times that you've done now during this lockdown?
1: Like food-wise, no. If I don't eat it, I don't eat it.
0: Some people have been eating anything. For example, for us, we received some rotten meats and we did end up debating for like the whole day whether we should eat them or not. And we actually cooked them, we boiled them to try to get rid of the smell, but nobody dared eat them and so we ended up uh, throwing most of them out.
1: Why is it rotten?
0: It was just delivered too late. The The ice packs had, had melted and the, the chicken and the pork had gone off. Besides this food thing, because for everyone, um, people have been having different experiences. But for the most part, the food delivery has been unanimous. Nobody can kind of go online easily. It's been uh, almost a lucky draw if they did manage. And the deliveries from the government have been sporadic. So I have only heard of a few people in Jing'an getting very good and very regular things, but for others, especially in Baoshan, a lot of the things online were were making Baoshan out to be the the hardest hit place because they had not received supplies for a very yeah. long time.
1: Yeah, because one of my friends, she lives in Baoshan, and she haven't received anything for like two or for the first two or three weeks. Like even the medicine, they didn't give them like a whole box. They give them one and a half table of it. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's really really
0: ridiculous. I mean, we had so many boxes of that and we haven't touched them, obviously. We even thought about possibly making a soup or something just to flavor some of the things with it because it kind of tastes like Chinese medicine.
1: uh No, I had them for one day and I ended up with a serious headache.
0: I think this thing about the, the food deliveries has been a pain for everyone. But I guess I want to turn to something else. So obviously we've known each other for a few years now and you are one of the people who are most involved in the animal I wouldn't say the animal industry, but um, kind of when we're talking about animal rights and um, pet enthusiasts, you do definitely rank top on the list. So um, for people who don't know, Ian and I have have known each other since um, 2018, I believe, in the middle of 2018 or 2019. And when I first new Ian, uh, he had two cats. Now that number over the years has continued to grow and at some point it has grown exponentially. Can you tell us all of your cats' names?
1: Uh, they are Inky, Bikini, Taco, Robin, PP, Gigi, and Meme. Robin!
0: Wow, that is a whole menagerie of kitties. <laughs> Um, Ian is not a compulsive cat purchaser. He doesn't go around buying cats. Um, most of these cats, as I understand them, are rescues. Is, is that right? Would, you, would that be kind of a, an accurate characterization?
1: Yeah, I don't buy cats. They are all like abandoned cats.
0: For those of you who also don't know, I have two cats. And I found it very difficult to kind of keep enough litter and enough food stocked for two cats. Especially when they mostly eat canned food and there's two cats, so the litter actually goes out quite quickly. Now, I can't imagine what it's like having to take care of seven or nine cats during a lockdown. Can you tell us a little bit about what life is like being locked up with seven or nine cats? I mean, besides that it's amazing, which most people would guess... Tell us a little bit about the, the difficulties and the pleasures of kind of being being at home with so many cats.
1: Well, actually, I'm quite nervous uh, during the first week of the lockdown because we actually don't have enough food. Like we, we already purchased the food a week before the lockdown, but they never came. So we have like half bag of dry food left and then like a few cages of chicken breast and then we basically ran out of canned food so the first day of lockdown i actually uh looked around to find one vendor to buy more dry because i i was out of options so i had to buy like uh a brand that i never used before so the first day, I bought like three bags, like small bags, one of uh, dry food, like different brands that I used to. So and then I have to pay like two hundred quite for delivery, even though the the you know the the shop was like three kilometers away. And then, but then like a week later, or. Oh, not a week later, but a couple of days later, the 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 shop has the brand I used to feed my cats and in dry and wet. I dry and cats uh can, so I ordered more, but the price was also very high. Like it was at least two to three hundred higher that bag compared to the normal price
0: well has the pandemic has this lockdown actually affected your your work or your income in any sense because all of this does sound very very expensive especially when you have so many cats that are dependent on you so has it had a really big impact on you in that way
1: well yeah because i'm a florist so basically most of my income cut down so we don't have any I, I don't have any income from my flower business. And, but luckily I have another uh, job like doing some online stuff for my like fashion-related stuff for companies or other companies. So luckily I still get some income from there to, you know, pay rent and pay for the food for the cats.
0: Yeah, it sounds what like one it? of your cats is thanking you in the background.
1: Yeah, he wanna eat and he jumped over the fence and now he cannot come back.
0: Which one is that? His
1: name is uh, Robin.
0: Well, obviously this is something that is happening directly in your apartment. But i think it's also very representative of the overall situation in shanghai because there are many stories emerging in the past few days of pets being abandoned or forcibly separated from their owners so i mean you've been telling me a little bit about kind of some of the rescue groups that you're in can you tell us a little bit about the kind of cases that you've been seeing in terms of abandonment for example
1: uh I don't think there there are cases about cats or pets being abandoned that I'm aware of. But there are a lot of people who cannot stay with their pets and looking for help or their pets are being locked down at home and they are away and they cannot go home. Why is that? There are some people, they are away from home before the lockdown. So after the lockdown happened they just couldn't go home. So their pets are like away, alone at home. There are a lot of these kind of cases that it helps to get the pets out or to feed the pets. And then there are also people being dragged to the camp, you know, and are not allowed to take their pets with them. So they are that Really looking for help to take care, take over their pets and look after them. I mean, there are like some uh, pet hotels that are still operating, but I mean, it costs a lot as well. Oh,
0: I can only imagine, especially in the current conditions, picking up the cat, getting it, getting supplies to kind of um, host all these these kitties or these Yeah, it's animals.
1: very difficult, especially at the beginning of the lockdown.
0: If we're considering some of the other stories that have emerged that have been much more heart-wrenching, especially the one that I think started most of this concern about animal welfare in Shanghai, where a dog, if I remember correctly, was killed, was beaten to death by one of the management teams. Is, is that right?
1: Yeah, the, the corgi in uh, Pudong. The thing is, they, the family had positive. And they wanna move the com the the families to the camp. But the thing is they, they don't have enough food to leave the dog at home. So they ask the 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 compound committee if they can find someone to help the dog help take care of the dog. But the the, the neighborhood committee is like no you can't and you cannot leave the dogs in the compound and you cannot take the dogs with you. So so they are out of options. So they, they decided to leave the dog out on the street to give the dog a chance, even though it's impossible for that dog. The dog is like not even one year old. So they left the dog on the street and then they they board the bus to go to the camp. And then as soon as they left, the neighborhood committee just killed the dog. They think animals are contagious and stuff like that. It's not the first case in this country.
0: I guess for most people who are animal lovers, and China does have a very booming population of animal lovers, especially since it's one of the fastest growing industries um, within China, I guess most people thought that Shanghai was kind of the center where caring about animals is strongest within China. So nobody expected for any animals to be hurt during this process because most people just thought that, oh, animals will be protected here because so many people love them.
1: Yeah, it never occurred to people before, like, you know, their lockdown. But I mean, the, there are a lot of things. Shanghai, pe- people who live in Shanghai never thought would happen before this lockdown. And they are all happening now.
0: It is, it is. And that's the, the sad truth for myself. The most terrifying thing about this lockdown was worrying about my two cats. I was terrified of catching COVID just because of the idea that I would be sent away somewhere for 14 or more days, because it's not a guarantee that you're released after 14 days. And my cats would just be in the apartment without food, without water after, I don't know, a week. So I had just kind of resigned myself to the idea that if anything happens and anyone tries to separate me from my cats, I will be arrested and I will either... Go to jail, or I will try to force deportation with the cats. I will, I will accept being deported as long as it's with the cats. I will not accept anything in between. I, I think I'd put this as a bottom line for myself.
1: Yeah, same here. I'm not leaving them before I'm sure they are taking care of somewhere safe. But that's the thing I think for a lot of people, this is just too frustrating, and it just shows how like and the situation is so uncertain and not safe here. There is no guarantee of safety. Oh,
0: definitely not. One woman was looking for someone to help bring her two cats back to Montreal, which is my hometown. So she was willing to spend an enormous amount of money just to get these cats out of China as soon as possible.
1: Yeah, it's just too scary. (sighs) Like, forget about animal rights. Like, even the human rights is very worrisome.
0: Absolutely. Well, as I guess, as a long-time um, resident, does this lockdown have any impact on what you consider your future to be here?
1: Yeah, it definitely made me want to leave. Like more. Like if the situation doesn't change in the next couple months, then I. Well, I definitely have to start thinking about how to move my pets out of here, because it takes a long time to prepare for everything. So I'm definitely gonna start preparing the all the paperwork and everything. And also, if the situation doesn't change in the next couple, like next few months, then I'm probably just gonna leave.
0: When the lockdown is over, what's the first thing you want to eat?
1: The first thing I'm getting is some um, fried food because I cannot fry things myself. And I used to eat like fried food like at least once every couple of days.
0: Thank you so much for coming on and sharing some of this insight and telling us a little bit about your situation at home with the cats.
1: Thanks for having me. And uh, hopefully we can get out of this situation
0: soon. Yeah, I think um, we're all hoping for that, cats included. We'll talk soon, okay?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Bye.
0: Well, that's all for this episode, but don't worry because we have new intriguing anecdotes and adventures coming out each week to keep you sane and entertained. If you did like this episode, please leave us a rating and give us a shout out on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Better yet, share it on social media or any WeChat groups you're in. If you have any thoughts or questions for us, or if you have a great story you'd like to tell us about your wild lockdown experiences, please leave a review because we'd love to hear about it. Catch you next time and stay hungry, Shanghai. A talk o Media Production.